You're listening to sermon audio from Grace Mosaic, a congregation of the Grace DC Network in Northeast DC. For more information about our church, visit us online at gracemosaic.org. About three years ago, uh, two pastor friends of mine convinced me to run uh, a long-distance race with them, the DC Half and Half. Now, this race is a half marathon, and halfway through the half marathon, you eat a half-smoked sausage, <laughs> and then you run the, the last half of the race. You know, that's the only way you're going to get a brother to run that far is you promise me a sausage in the middle, right? Now, up to that point, I had never run that far in my whole life. But both of my friends were very experienced runners, and so they convinced me that it would be all good, and so we we signed up for the race. And a few days before the race, the the race organizers sent us out a a course map of the big picture of where we would be running. It showed us uh, where the the mile markers were and and where the aid stations were, because when you run those long-distance races, They are set up to be able to help you if you're injured or to give you something to drink if you're dehydrated. They gave us all the information we needed to be able to finish the race. And I I did pretty well for a first-timer if I don't say so myself, right? But there were multiple times in the race where I found myself struggling and questioning my life choices. And when we hit that 10-mile marker, all I could see was a long uphill in front of me. I was feeling pain in my hip. My feet were hurting. And between heavy breaths, I said to my friends once we crossed mile marker 10, I don't know if I'm going to make it, y'all. And my friends rallied to me, and they said, no, bro, you got this. You got this, bro. You got this. And then about every half mile after that 10-mile marker, they would say to me, keep going. The finish line's coming. Keep going. The finish line's coming. Keep going. The finish line's coming. And pretty soon, I was happily crossing that finish line back at Ben's Chili Bowl where I got another half smoke. (laughs) Throughout this letter, the Apostle James is writing to a people that is running the race of faith. They have entered the course of Christianity by faith, and they are now following Jesus. But it's a long and grueling race. It's not just a 5K or a half marathon or even a marathon. It's a lifelong race, a lifetime. And the Lord has given us his word as a course map. And he has given us Local churches that serve as aid stations for those who are injured and those who need refreshment. But even still, there are many times during this race where we find ourselves struggling and even questioning our life choice to follow Jesus. When we see the long hill of mental illness in front of us, when we feel the pain of disappointment and loss in our hearts, start to hurt, we sometimes find ourselves saying, I don't know if I'm going to make it in this Christian life. But in our passage for today, 
the Apostle James says to weary believers, keep going, the Lord is coming. Keep going, the Lord is coming. Keep going, the Lord is coming. And by grace through faith, we will one day behold him face to face. James wants his people to have an enduring faith. And Christian, no matter what hardships you're facing today, no matter what disappointments, confusion, or, or, or exhaustion you may feel right now, I want you to hear the Apostle James cheering you on right now saying, keep going, the Lord is coming. Keep going, the Lord is coming. Can you see the strong emphasis in this text? Can you see it? Verse 7, take a look. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. Verse 8, you also be patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Verse 9, do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. You see, James is calling us to patience, to endurance, to perseverance, to long-suffering in light of this certain future. But we struggle, don't we? Patience is hard. Patience is hard. And why is patience hard? Patience is hard because we want to be in control. And we believe the lie that if we're not in control, everything is going to fall into ruin. So we impatiently fret and maneuver and manipulate and rush around grasping for control. The problem for control freaks is that we're in a rush, but God is not. Patience is hard. Because we arrogantly think that our plans are smarter, better, and more fruitful than God's plans. And if this were not so, we wouldn't resist his plans so often. We wouldn't resist his providential plans. But no, we think our plans are better, smarter, and more fruitful than God's plans. We forget that it was our best plans that got us into most of the trouble we have found ourselves in. And it was God's best plans that brought about goodness for the entire creation with more to come. While we're selfishly working to secure goods for ourselves, God is generously working to bring good for the entire world. Patience is hard because we tend to live out of false identities and disruptions feel like a loss of self. If your identity is grounded in your success, then you will be impatient when you feel like you're falling behind your peers, and you'll be impatient with people that feel like they're in your way. If your identity is grounded in what other people think of you, and you're always moving around in life based upon what you think other people will think of you, well, then you will be impatient when you're criticized, when you are misrepresented, when you're misunderstood, or when you are simply called to Christian repentance, you will get 
you will get in your feelings and you will feel impatient. You will feel wronged. So much of our impatience stems from our false identities. Patience is hard because of our cultural formation, which is a way of saying that our expectations are often more American than Christian. We live in a culture where we get instant information through Google. And we get instant life updates on our friends through social media. And we make instant purchases on Amazon. There's a reason why Amazon got so rich during the pandemic. We get instant music through streaming. We get instant movies for download. You know, we actually used to send letters through snail mail. And we would wait weeks for a reply. Any of y'all remember that? All right. But then they bumped it up to email. And you could instantly, you could instantly send a message or receive a message with a click. But then email wasn't good enough, and so they decided to create text messages. And now we get in our feelings when someone doesn't immediately text us back on the minute. If you don't think we have smuggled these expectations into our faith, you are sadly mistaken. We illegitimately expect instant spirituality and transformation from one another. We expect instant answers to prayer. We expect quick resolution to all of the tensions that we face and we expect our every desire to be immediately satisfied, and we get peeved when they're not. And all of this, despite the fact that God's people have always been awaiting people. What family do you belong to, Christian? Abraham and Sarah waited 25 years for their promised son, Isaac. Jacob waited 14 years to get Rebekah's hand in marriage. Joseph waited 13 years to escape his unjust slavery and imprisonment. Moses waited 40 years in the desert before he was called by God to lead his people. Israel waited 400 years to escape slavery in Egypt, and then they wandered in the desert for another 40 years on the way to the promised land. David waited 15 years to become king. Israel waited 70 years for deliverance from exile. And when God's people waited for hundreds of years after the last prophetic word of God, they waited and waited for God to break his silence. And in the fullness of time, the Lord spoke to his people in a son. But even Jesus waited. Jesus waited 30 years to begin his earthly ministry. Family, this should bring us to repentance. And it should reset our expectations. Who do you think you are that you shouldn't have to wait? Are you better than any of these? Listen, if the Lord is making you wait right now, you must know at least three things. First, you're in good company with all of the saints. God's people have always been a waiting people. 
Second, you're not better or more important than the characters of Scripture who had to wait. Third, Scripture shows us that God's plan is always worth the wait. And even more, God's Son is always worth the wait. But finally, patience is hard because we often fail to live by grace. We often fail to live by grace. We're impatient with ourselves because we really don't want to be that needy. We're like our kids, you know, and the kids, no, I want to do it myself. And it's not until they get into a jam and realize that they can't do it on their own, that they say, can you help me? Like, I offered to help you before you decided to try and do it by yourself. (laughs) Amen. I got a witness out here. We're impatient with ourselves. We're impatient with our brothers and sisters in the faith. And we often just want people to get their stuff together because we're tired of dealing with them. I remember one time I was in a rush to leave the house. And I went down to the van and I was waiting for Vanessa. And I was fuming. Every minute made me more angry. And then it was like the Lord just sent a a biblical warhead (laughs) and blew me up. And he said, Russ Whitfield, I've been patient with this woman for decades. And you can't be patient with her for five minutes? Are you going to live by the grace that you love to preach? So when Vanessa got in the car, my head was all swollen up like this. The Lord lit me up, right? But it all stems from not living by the grace we claim. We're impatient with our non-Christian neighbors who are simply trying to make sense of life in the best way that they know how. That's what they're, they're doing, what we're doing. They're trying to make sense of life given what they think and their convictions and how they see the world. But so often we're impatient with them. But can't you see the Lord's patience with all of us? Don't you know that the Lord's delay is one of his greatest mercies? Because he's giving our neighbors time to turn to him and be saved. He's given us time to repent and to get right before him. That is his patience and kindness. His delay should cause us to delight because we see his goodness and his mercy in it. Just like he's given us time to repent, he's given them time to turn. But I want to ask you a question. How can we expect our neighbors to perceive a patient God if they only encounter impatient Christians? We have no right to expect that if we are walking in impatience. Patience is hard for all of these reasons and more. I had about six more listed, and I just decided to stop it there. (laughs) And when our circumstances pressure us and our hearts are at turmoil within us, we often wonder, why did God bring me into this? Why did he put me in this situation? Why do I have to endure this? James told us. Back in chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, when he said, 
Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness or patience. And let steadfastness or patience have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Here, James says that the road to maturity is paved with patience and endurance. The road to wholeness is paved with patience and endurance. There is no alternative route to maturity and wholeness. But listen, when you find yourself asking the question, why would God bring me into this? You have to realize that this very question could be asked throughout the whole Bible. And this is why James references the prophets and Job in this text. He wants you to go back and consider the story of God. Why did God bring Abraham to Mount Moriah to sacrifice his son? Why did God expose Job to such tremendous suffering and loss? Why did God bring Israel to the Red Sea only to be cornered by the Egyptian army? Why did God send Gideon into war with an outmatched army? Why did the Lord bring Joshua to the impenetrable walls of Jericho? Why did the Lord bring David to the place where he had to constantly run for his life because the king was trying to kill him? Why did the prophets have to suffer rejection and abuse from their own countrymen? Why did the Lord bring Stephen to martyrdom by stoning? Why did the Lord lead Paul and Silas into prison to be shackled in the basement of the prison? Why did the Lord allow the Apostle John to be exiled on the island of Patmos? Why does the Lord bring any of his people into the place that requires patience and endurance and faith? So that we would become the evidence of his grace and trophies of redeeming love. So that we could become witnesses to his sovereign power. So that we could testify to his faithfulness. So that we could know that the Lord can make a way out of no way. So that we could see that the Lord is a warrior who defends his people. So that we could see that the Lord is a healer who restores his people. So that we could have the evidence that he's an unfailing provider so that we could know for certain that nothing is too hard for the Lord, so that we would see that his wisdom is unsearchable, so that we would be convinced that God is always true to his promises, that the Lord brings us into these hard spots that require patience and endurance. He does this to loosen our grip on earthly attachments and to cause us to long for glory. It's like that famous C.S. Lewis quote. We're like children making mud pies in a slum because we don't know what a holiday at the beach is like. And we're messing around trying to build a life on a, accumulating lots of money and, and, and having lots of nice things and, and safeguarding our lives. And we don't realize it's mud pies. The Lord does all of this to reorder our loves, to perfect our faith, and to impart true life to his beloved. But listen, the wonder 
of wonders comes in answering a far more important question, family. Why did God bring his sinless son into such troubles and hardships? Why did God bring his only begotten son into the difficult place that required patience and endurance? So that he could announce good news to bad people. So that Jesus could live a righteous life and credit that righteousness to us. So that he could fulfill the law on our behalf. So that he could show us how human life is supposed to be lived. So that he could show us just how deep is the Father's love for us. So that he could make atonement for our sins through his death on the cross. So that we could have the hope of resurrection victory over the grave. God brought his only begotten son into troubles and hardship so that we could have victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. So that Jesus could become a merciful and faithful high priest who is able to sympathize with us in our weaknesses. So that all our guilt and our shame and our fear could disappear forever. So that Christ could bring prodigal children back home to the Father's love. God brought his son into troubles and trials so that we could have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. So that we could be transformed from one degree of glory to the next. So that we could glorify and enjoy him forever. The Lord Jesus endured the full weight of sin's curse so that we could be confident that as surely as he changed the world in his first coming, he will make all things new in his second coming. He will come in glory to vindicate his gospel, to vindicate his church, and to vindicate his kingdom once and for all. It will be public and global. Every eye will see. And those who have spent their lives working in justice, the powers that be that we are watching on the news right now, they will have their day. And God's people, though they be trampled in this life, though they be afflicted and suffering, though they walk through this life with a limp, will one day rise to see him face to face in all the evil, all the sadness, all the sorrow, all the heartbreak will seem like a bad dream from which we awake into joy everlasting. So as you experience these light and momentary afflictions, as you struggle under the burdens and disappointments of this life, as you face the darkness of this world, let patience have its full effect and keep going because the Lord is coming. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Grace Mosaic. For more information,
information about our church, visit us online at gracemosaic.org.